0: Open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to begin in verse 12. Now, Paul has been writing in Philippians chapter 2 uh, about Jesus. And uh, he talked about who he was and how he came and what he did for us. And he continues that thought with these words. Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. Therefore, my beloved brethren, as you always have obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to do and to will for his good pleasure. Pleasure. It's not going to come out. Do all things without complaining and disputing. That you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes. And if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice in me. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged when I know your state. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the faithful attendance of these that are here. And Father, most of all, I just thank you for the time we have together to sing your praises. And Lord, to lift up the name of Jesus. And as we study your word, once again, you let it go forth in power. You let it accomplish what you intended to do. Grow us thereby. And Father, let the decisions that need to be made publicly be made tonight. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of these verses I have thought on quite a bit as as a young pastor, Brother Chris and I, uh, I. I sort of miss him because he was always the guy I'd bounce stuff off of, and we would discuss stuff, and and he encouraged me a lot in this. But but a lot of. Uh, Christians through the years have asked me about this passage where Paul says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, because it says that God is the one at work in us to do his good will and pleasure. So what's going on here? And the best I can come up with is this. Okay. This is the truth. God has worked salvation in us, following our response of faith. Okay. And we must work it out through obedience, okay? And we need to ask ourselves, are we being obedient, okay? Because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. That's obedience. He said that repeatedly. If we really love him, if you read the book of First John, if you love him, you're going to keep his word. You're going to be obedient. The mark of a Christian, the high mark, is that we obey our Savior, Okay. If you don't have a desire to obey Jesus, if you don't have a desire to obey his word, then you need to look and make sure that you really are a Christian. Because Christians have a desire to obey. Now I've shared with you before, we have Australian shepherds, and we had one, uh, and, and everything that you wanted her to do, she was eager to obey. I mean, she was well, she was just sitting there just waiting to obey. We've got a couple of others that are just the opposite. They want to do what they want to do, and you have to really get their attention for them to even try to obey. And so my question tonight is, how does your obedience show up in your faith? And so I think Paul tells us how our obedience is supposed to show up. First of all, in verses 12 and 13, our obedience is expressed in outward action. Our obedience is expressed in outward action. Look at verses 12 and 13 again with me. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. You see... What he's saying here, especially in verse 12, is, is that we're not supposed to need somebody to stand over us okay? Uh, because God indwells us. We don't have to have somebody standing over us to make sure we do right because, because we know God, because we've responded to him in faith. He's created a new person inside of us. A new will, if you will. And our will is supposed to be to do the things of righteousness. And we shouldn't have to have somebody to stand over us. But he's empowered us eternally. And God provides a desire to make salvation visible and vital in our action. You see, when you read your Bible and it says to do these things, you should be marking it down. These are the things that a Christian does. When it says don't do these things, you should mark that down somewhere. That Those are the things a Christian does not do. You see, our our Christianity, our obedience to Christ, shows up in outer action. We discussed that a little bit this morning, but but you see, it's supposed to be visible and vital in our action. It it sort of works like this. Why do they put yeast in bread? To make it rise. And if it doesn't rise, what do you know about the yeast? Not good, or you forgot to put it in, one of the two. Okay? It's It's a sure sign if you see bread rising, it has yeast in it. It's a sure sign if you see a Christian obeying the word of God, they're really a Christian. They're working out their salvation through their actions. We're not saved through good works. We're not saved through our action. But the proof that Christ indwells in us comes out in how we live in day-by-day living. And some folks seem to have a problem with that. They, they want to say things like, well, don't judge me. Brother Gary, you're judging me. I don't have to judge them. If they're doing things the Word of God says a Christian does not do, guess what? They're not supposed to be doing that. And for them to say, don't judge me, they just have a guilty conscience. Period. Okay? And most of the time when people are talking about don't judge them, what they're really doing is they're wanting to make an excuse for things they want to do that are not right. Okay? And I don't judge people. i got enough to take care of my own self. I don't need to be judging anybody else, God will take care of that. But you need to understand that for believers to work out and express our salvation salvation faith is we're working out what God's already worked in. He's worked in salvation in our response to, in faith to the work of Jesus Christ that only he can save us. And we work out what a Christian is supposed to be doing. Paul tells us all through the New Testament what a Christian is supposed to be doing. And so our faith is first of all our obedience expressed in outer action. And we need to ask, are we those people that obey? Now, we all know kids like this. I understand it now that I'm a pastor. I did not understand it as a kid. One of my running buddies was a Baptist preacher's son. And I didn't understand it because half the trouble I got into uh, was because he would suggest things. And then when we got caught, I'd have to apologize to his daddy because he said it was my idea. After about the third time of getting grounded in spankings on that, I broke his nose and we weren't friends anymore. That's a true story. I should not have done that. But I didn't understand that. But he was under so much pressure. He lived in a fishbowl. Uh, his dad was after him constantly because he's a preacher kid, you can't do this or that. Rather than tell him, look, as a Christian, you're supposed to want to do this or want to do that. Let me ask you, when you got saved, did your want-tos get changed? You have a new nature that wants to obey Christ and obey his word. If that isn't your nature, I doubt that you got saved. And that's not judging. That's based on God's word. We're to work out our salvation. It isn't that our works save us. It's that our works show that we are saved. Our works. There's no such thing as a secret Christian. Is there? Jesus never called anybody to be a secret disciple, did he? Okay, because he goes on, he's going to tell us we're going to shine as as lights in a a dark world. The way we do that, it's expressed outwardly. Okay, we have too many people that try to be uh, camouflaged Christians. Nobody will know if they just settle in and don't let anybody know what they believe. No, they're to know what we believe by how we act. What we do and what we do not do. Okay, and we need to ask that. Uh, the second thing our obedience is in verse fourteen fifteen is expressed or characterized by proper attitudes. I didn't like this one too much. Our obedience is characterized by proper attitudes. You know, a lot of us have under control of those sins of the flesh and things like that. But when it comes to sins of attitude, we just sort of let it go. You know, you ever hear somebody say, I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. That's the wrong attitude for a Christian. And besides that, most of us don't have enough mind left to give much more of it away. Some of y'all will catch that later. Look at what he says. He says, do all things without what? Grumbling, complaining, and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, our obedience is expressed in outer action, but our obedience is also expressed in proper attitudes. You see, we don't complain because what we're really complaining about in our lot in life. Now I want you to hear me. What we're really saying is. God you were wrong to do this. God you were wrong to let this happen. Why did it get so quiet? Our father is always loving. Our father always has our best interest. Now do we always understand that? No. Okay. But you see. Brother Chris used to say, a true Christian doesn't complain against God or other people. (laughs) And I said, have you been to church lately? (laughs) And then he reminded me if they were perfect, they wouldn't need me and I couldn't be their pastor. But anyway, uh, he, he was good for me. But you see, Christians are not really to be characterized by complaining and grumbling. Now, did you hear that? Somebody who's always complaining and grumbling, how many of y'all like to be around those kind of folks? I mean, you like somebody who just complains and grumbles all the time. I mean, I mean, you, you remember Winnie the Pooh and that little eeyore, that little donkey character? You know, he's always got a cloud over him. Oh, woe is me. Something's always wrong no matter how good things are that day. You know, there's lightning and rain right over his head. Something's going to go wrong. You know, too many Christians act like that. And then we wonder why people don't want to come to Christ. Why would they want to come to Christ when they see us act like that? That's not the attitude that's to be expressed by a Christian. You see, our attitude permits us to shine as lights in this dark world. All right? Uh, I've told you that, you know, in the mornings I like to get up. And I don't want anybody talking to me for a while. Yeah, no. The good Christian is sitting over there on the front pew because she gets up singing songs. Who wakes up singing songs? Who wakes up praising the God like the birds? And it, it'll be a, a preschool song from Sunday school. It'll it just be a happy little ditty, and it should just make me just happy all over. And I just want to say Ugh, until she reminds me, is that the proper attitude of a Christian, Gary? Elizabeth is a lot better preacher than I am, if y'all haven't figured out. Okay. But she does it in the nicest way. She just smiles and just goes on with my grumpiness. And over the years, I've learned that, you see, Christians, if you're really Christians, if you have Jesus in your heart, we're to be characterized by proper attitudes. You know, it goes like I'm, I'm waiting for somebody. I've got this bad thing. You know, I have, I have two things when I drive. I have road rage. No, I really do. If they would allow me to put a bazooka on the front of my truck, it would be there. Okay, These people that I'm going down the road, you know, and they pull out. I don't care if you pull out in front of me. If you pull out, get on down the road. Don't pull out and slow down to 35. If I had my way, every one of them would be, boom. Okay. And, uh, the, the yeah, not the proper attitude. And the other thing is is really and truly don't get in front of me i don't i can't stand people being in front of me i don 't care if they're doing seventy five i won 't go eighty okay and I guess it i don 't know what it is, but elizabeth' constantly reminded me that's not the right attitude, Gary, and i 'm really having to learn that okay yeah, hammer down but but listen to me, the problem with those two attitudes in the car. If I don't allow Christ to have those, I have other attitudes that spill out at home or at church, in the office, you know, at school. But I guarantee you, you're the same way. Either we have the proper attitude and we work on our attitude and the sins of the attitude, or the devil uses them to destroy our witness. And it's something that I've had to work on for years, and Elizabeth will tell you that. She she wouldn't tell you that unless you directly ask her, because she doesn't talk about, about her husband. She should, but she doesn't, because she's got that good attitude, you know. She really does. And uh, I have learned uh, a lot of things from my wife. That's why God uh, gave her to me. Poor her, but but... You know, my, my house, because my dad was an alcoholic... Now, my dad is a good person now. I want you to understand that. When he was saved, he was gloriously saved. Okay? And don't ever tell me that Christ doesn't change people. Because I saw my daddy flip just totally different night and day. Because of Jesus. And that's why I know the gospel works. But growing up was not fun. And my dad grew up in an alcoholic home. He was an alcoholic. Um... Holidays were awful, you know, because he was depressed and drank more, and that made him more depressed, and so he got ugly. And so, through the years, Elizabeth had to remind me, "You're acting like J.R. Wise." <laughs> I told you she's a better preacher than me. <laughs> but I've learned that you can be happy on holidays. Okay, that uh, it really is okay to celebrate. Christmas or Thanksgiving, that it really is okay to have holidays and let the kids have fun, that that it really is a lot of fun uh, with your kids and your grandkids just to have fun and to have the right attitude, okay? But listen to me, you may not have had my upbringing, but are you one of those folks that come to church and the first thing you do is complain about something? Don't answer that out loud, okay? I don't want to know. Okay, church is not going to be a perfect place because we're not all perfect yet. But church is the best place I can think of to learn how to have proper attitudes. Because you look at some of the saints that are here in our church. They've gone through thing after thing after thing that are hard in life. And they still somehow have the joy of their salvation. What's up with that? Proper attitude. And the faith that they have inside works its way outside with proper attitudes. And I'm thinking, hallelujah. And it's a challenge to the rest of us to get on the stick. Don't be like the lady. I loved her to death. But every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, are you getting this? Every Sunday, she had to talk to me about a problem. I don't care if we had 10 saved that morning. One Sunday we did have. We had 10 saved at a revival service. I was walking on cloud nine. But Gary, i got to talk to you. The music was too loud and it was too hot in the sanctuary. She couldn't worship. Well, we won't say my response because it wasn't very godly. And I had to apologize later. But I finally told her, look. You want to complain, come in Monday morning and dump it all on me. But you leave me alone on Sundays because you're ruining my Sundays. <laughs> because she would catch me right before I preached or right after I preached. And that's not the time to talk to me about anything because I'm not going to remember it. I'm not. Okay? But listen. Don't have that kind of attitude in God's house. Really. What if Jesus would have had that kind of attitude as he's hanging there innocent on the cross for my sins and your sins and they've already spit at him, they've already beat him, they're coming by and railing at him, talk about him being nothing. If he would have had that kind of attitude, we would have made it. He would have said, that's enough God. Father, did my best. Can't stand these folks anymore. Twelve legions of angels would have wiped us out. It had been the end. But he was perfect in his attitude. Didn't say one negative thing. Enough of that. The third thing. You see, our obedience is rewarded by sufficient compensation. L- look at the last few verses. Look at verses 15 through 18 on this again with me. Sufficient competition. We're, we're rewarded. It says that you may become blameless, harmless, Children of God without fault. Doesn't that sound nice? That's called glorification at the end. It's called sanctification right now. Without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life. So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. You see, our obedience is rewarded in personal purification. When you obey God's word, God purifies you and me. And I don't know about you, but the the thought of being blameless and without fault in front of God Almighty, that is a wonderful thing. In other words, he looks at me, he looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus, he doesn't see all those past sins. And that's something to get excited about, y'all. But he says our obedience right now as we work out our salvation that he's already worked in through believing in Christ, as we work it out, it's personal purification. People can see it. And we bring joy to our fellow Christians because they see us shine and they want to shine too. Didn't Jesus say we're to be the light of the world? And the city that was set on a hill couldn't be hidden? And you didn't light a, a lamp and put it under a bushel or under a bedstand. You held it up for all in the house to see and light dispels darkness, but light also draws others that want the light, to be in the light. See, if you think about it, God's always rewarded his folks for obedience. There's a fellow in the Old Testament, and I think he worked 130 years building an ark. What was his reward after that was over? Have you ever thought of that? Dry ground. After being on that ark with all those stinky animals for that long and cooped up, you better believe when I hit dry ground, I'm going to shout hallelujah. You talk about not wanting to fly because you want to keep your feet on the ground. I don't want to be on a boat that long either. Okay? First Peter tells us this in First Peter 1 Peter 1.5. He says that we've been begotten again to an inheritance which is incorruptible undefiled, it does not fade away, and it's reserved in heaven for you and for me. And our obedience is always rewarded by God. It's always rewarded because we got some personal purification going on, but we grow in Christ. He uses us for greater works. Okay? You know, Jesus said, who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. Sometimes we're not trusted with the much because we haven't been faithful in the little. Because maybe we've had a bad attitude. Maybe we haven't been obedient in some things. Maybe we uh, don't have the proper outer actions. Uh, But you see, there's coming a day when all the things that we think nobody's noticed, God rewards. All the sacrifices you've made for Christ, and some of you have made a lot of sacrifices, not a one of them is going to fall away all the things you've done working hard through the years in this church for the kingdom of God, God has written down. And your obedience will be rewarded in this lifetime and especially in obedience shows how we work out our salvation. Not that we save ourselves, but because God has saved us, what's on the inside comes out. But it comes out Through obedience. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe tonight you need to come and recommit to being obedient to God. Maybe he's been asking you to do something. And you've just been saying nope, 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 nope. Can't do it. Ain't going to do it. And you need to be obedient. Maybe you need to come and surrender some things he's been wanting to take away. And you said I don't want to give them up. And he says give them to me. And you say no. And he says be obedient. Maybe... You need to join the church by baptism, letter, or statement. Maybe you need to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I don't know. Maybe you need to come just praising Him for what He's done for you, for saving you. But whatever it is, you need to come when He speaks because if you keep telling God no, pretty soon He quits speaking and lets you have your own way. And that's a scary thing. Whatever you need to do, He wants you to do it. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to lead us to him invitation. You come as God wants you to come. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for saving us from our sins. Lord, help us to work out our salvation in a way that would glorify the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to make the decisions that would lift his name high. Lord, you said if we'll do that, he'll draw all men and women to himself. It's in his name I pray. Amen.